Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. So I would invite you to pull out the uh, Pew Bible, as well as your notes that are in your bulletin. Let me get out mine. Because today's message, it's, um, it's pretty basic, almost school-like, um, super important. But it's, uh, it's going to be helpful. I even have the whiteboard that I'm going to pull out to get some of these concepts to make sure we know um, clearly what's being said in the Scripture. And one of those things, so if you turn in your scripture, uh, Pew Bibles, to page 1,302, right near the end of the Bible, 1,302, we're in 1 uh, John uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 18 through verse 27. And if you look in your Pew Bibles, it says, warning concerning Antichrist. Who wants to preach on that? Here we go. Warnings. Um, and then, like I said, pull out these notes because we'll be filling these out. And your first thing is um, the title of today's message is The False Life. So you want to fill in that word false. The, um, the key word that I saw when I saw the little you know, heading that's in our scripture there, warning concerning um, Antichrist, I thought of... of um, well, actually, so let me read the definition that's in your notes there. Warning is a statement or event that indicates a possible or impending danger, problem, or other unpleasant situation. And so I, I um, this week, had bought a little beanie, you know, like a yarn cap, and I thought, oh, there's probably a warning label in there that I tore out. It's not, an, it's not comfortable to have on your head. It says, hand wash, I'm cold, use mild detergent, and uh, do not wring it out, let it lay flat to dry out. Don't iron it. So if I want to have a good beanie, I'll listen to these directions. <laughs> and then I thought, you know what, I could um, do better. And so I went downstairs, and I remember on this, uh, kind of like a space heater we have, has this warning tag on it. And uh, I thought, okay, this will be good, because there's all kinds of yellow on this, and, and exclamation marks, and all this stuff. And it says... To reduce risk of fire. Anybody want to reduce the risk of fire? Always plug heaters directly into wall outlets. Receptacle never used with an extension cord or re relocatable power tap. Um, check your heater cord and plug connections. A loose-fitting outlet can cause the plug to overheat and cause a fire. Um, always unplug the heater when not in use. Do not operate heater with a damaged cord. Do not run the cord under carpeting. And I tell you, I had the darnest time pulling this thing off because I wanted to bring it to church to read it to you all. Do not remove this tag. <laughs> Sorry if we burned the house down, but it was important to preach this. I, I looked at that last thing and I said, oh, piece of work you are. Then I went online and found a few. And Jason, if you could put a couple of those warnings up there. This is about a chainsaw. <laughs> Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. Anybody done that? 
Uh, Q-tips, you're all guilty of this. Do not insert swab into ear canal. This is a good one. You get this at the cleaners. Caution, do not swallow. <laughs> if you swallow a coat hanger. Caution, do not iron while wearing the shirt. Proverbs 27:12 says the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. We've got some super basic warnings in Scripture we're going to look at this morning, and we don't want to be simple people and avoid them. We don't want to make these simple mistakes. We want to hear what God has to say to us. Let's pray. Lord, would you make us prudent? Thank you for your warnings. Uh, would your Spirit teach each one of us today to avoid danger and instead live well in your ways. We love you and we want to learn. In Christ's name, amen. So uh, turning to the scripture, there's a couple, of, like I said, real basic things that we want to point out. And the first one, starting in verse 18, it says, children, it is the last hour. Children, it is the last hour. So pull out your notes and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this whiteboard to explain this a little bit because I came across in one of the commentaries that I was working through, um, a little sketch drawing that I had never seen before that was so helpful. And it illustrates this whole idea of last hour. So these things were written almost a couple thousand years ago. It, we're in the last hour. Does that bother any of you? I'm like, define hour, because that's 2,000 years. And I'm, I'm thinking this... There's something wrong here, or I feel a little off or funny about this. So um, a theologian passed on this thing that he learned from a pastor from the 1800s, and he said, okay, before Christ came, history was marching to the end of time. Okay, so that's history, and here's the end of time. So it's, this pen's terrible. Try this one. Yeah, I can handle that problem. So this would be the end of time. And we're headed that way. Then Jesus comes. And then he said, okay, but now, not only are we heading, you know, yes, towards the end of time. But, and this isn't just a chronological, it's a theological thing. We t make this turn and we go along the end side of time. So that way we're, we are in the last hour and we never know when those events will unfold and the end of time will come. Does that make sense? I'm like, okay, so we're, we're, you know, all those thousands of years headed towards the end of time. Christ come, gigantic change when Christ comes and lives on the earth, dies, and is resurrected. Gigantic theological implications. And then right after that, at any time, Jesus says, I'm coming back. At any time, could come back here, here, here. Could go, could go another 2,000 years because we also are told we don't know the time or the date. So when anybody says in 2027, Jesus is coming back because everything lines up, you know, you're like, actually told us we won't actually know. Now, we are told a lot that when a lot of circumstances come together, and we've even seen that over time, like, oh, it's getting close, he's going to come, but he doesn't. It's still not uh, conflicting with any of this. We are right on the edge, which means we're in the last hour, right? Does that make sense? We're on the edge of time ending, and it's up to God when that's going to happen. That really helped me um, understand, like, okay. 
I'm not sure I like it, but I, I, get, I, I understand this truth better. Um, and he could come back. He says it. He could come back at any time, but he's choosing to wait, wanting more to come to faith in him. So um, what, what comes out of that, what's the principle, what's the benefit of that as to us as followers of Christ is that we are to live expectantly. It could happen any time. I know, I know growing up I was thinking, he's coming any time, any time, and after that I'm like, is he really coming? And then I wasn't as expectant. But we are called to be expectant because he's God and he will decide when. And, and even if you live expectantly for your entire life, that's the way to live. That's how we're called to live, and that's why we can do it, because at any time, he could come. Then after that, children, it is the last hour, he, he goes on to say, as you have heard that, ant, that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. So he says it's the last hour because we have a lot of Antichrists that have come. And what that meant in their church is they had um, a bunch of false teachers that were there uh, teaching heresy. They ended up leaving the church. But he said, see, there's proof of that we're in the last hour because we've had these problems, which a lot um, this book addresses quite a bit of. Uh, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. So he's talking about these false teachers that left. And I want to be clear about a, a couple other things. There, there is the Antichrist, and um, Eric, when he teaches on Revelation, you're not going to dodge that. You're going to teach us about that. But that's the Antichrist, and here we're not talking about the. We're talking about um, forerunners of the Antichrist. And Antichrist just means against, anti-against Christ, Jesus. Um, and these Antichrists were um, people who denied and opposed Jesus. They didn't believe Jesus was really God. Okay, God is here and Jesus was a good man or um, Jesus was, was um, taken over by God for a little season, but he's not really God is what their belief and what they were teaching. They were teaching about a counterfeit or a fake Jesus and they were certainly opposing. So those behaviors gave them a description of being anti-Christ. Okay, so he's saying we're in the last hour. You know it because these teachers are uh, counterfeits and they're opposing Christ and that's what's going on there. What was the basic denial? What was the problem? I've kind of already told you, but let me look at verses 22 and 23. Again, really basic stuff. These are basic warnings, by, but I, and really God, really wants us to know these. Verse 22, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist because he who denies the Father and the Son. Listen to this, verse 23. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So, you, you know, it's as basic and clear as can be. You cannot say, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. You can't say it. Wouldn't be true. Or you can't say Jesus isn't God. And, and again, another little helpful model, which I, I, I believe I drew this, I don't know, five or six years ago, it was a helpful model for my mind to understand what's going on here. And it's in your notes. It's one of the best, um, bad pen, it's one of the best illustration of the Trinity that I've found. And so in the middle, 
we'll say this is God. And then up here we'll put the Father. We'll put the Son. And we'll put the Holy Spirit over here. Okay, the Father is God, correct? The Son is God, yep. The Holy Spirit is God, yes? That's great, they're all God. But here's what helps clarify. The Father is not the Son. Distinct. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. Distinct. Spirit is not the Son. The Son says, Hey, son, I do whatever the Father tells me. The Son says, I'm going to send the Spirit if I don't go away, okay? So they're distinct. Is not. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> I'll say that. That's an amazing, that's a God thing. But it helps me understand. So you cannot say, you cannot teach, well, I just believe in God, but I don't believe in the Son because they're God. They're all God together. You can't, you, can't, you can't say, well, I'm cool with Jesus and I'm cool with the Father, but the Holy Spirit I don't think exists. You don't get to say that. You, you're in grave error. And this is, when, when anybody is denying the Son, um, you're denying the Father. And so that, that's where that phrase says, hey, if you believe the Son, I believe Jesus is God, guess what? You get the Father and the Holy Spirit. You get all three. But if you deny any one of those three, you get none of them because they're all God. Is that clear? I like that model. It helps me out a lot. And here's probably my favorite part of what we're looking at. And again, in your notes, if you want to look at this last piece, life with God equals abide. Life with God equals abide. And that abide theme has been popping up. It's going to pop up even more. It's in the book of John. Um, the Gospel of John, where he talks about, you know, apart from connection with Jesus, you can't do anything. And abiding with God, it talks about you living this illuminated life. We want to live our best life. That's the premise in this book, is like live our best life together. We do that in the light and illuminated, and abiding, connection with God, is what turns the lights on, right? So we heard what turns the lights off, deny Jesus, and you'll be stumbling around in the darkness. You trust in Christ, you believe in Christ, you're in the light. So how do we abide? One of, the, one of the commentaries labeled this section of the scripture, safeguards for the soul. I'd like one of those. I'd like three of those. There's three of them here. How do we abide? The first one is in verse 20. But you, And this is what we've been talking about. Joe talked about it. We sung about it. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. So the anointing, the Holy Spirit coming on you, gives you knowledge. You can also see Jesus talks about this in um, John 16, 13. Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So abiding with God means you're connected with, you're listening, you're being taught by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And then the second thing, not only do we um, abide by the Spirit, but we abide with the Word. Verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, 
If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. One of the things that, um, I don't know this for a fact, I should just ask uh, Brian, but Wycliffe is so good with the Scripture. They realize if people don't have God's Word, they're without an anchor. You know, the, the Word is what we judge everything. It's like the plumb line that you measure all kind of teaching, anything. Is this true or not true? If it connects with the Word. I, you, people can say, I heard the Lord say, if it doesn't jive with Scripture, then you didn't hear the Lord say. You're off. And that's the passion of what Wycliffe does so well and, and working together with other organizations to leverage all that we have to be a good steward of the Scripture and to put it in people's language where they can hear helps people abide, which is the point. That's why they're so valuable, why what they're doing is so important. So we abide with God by walking and trusting in the Spirit. We abide by being in the Word. And then the third one is just the simple life with God. Verse 25 says, And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. And I always, growing up, certainly thought eternal life is what I will get later. Well, if you're reborn, you're eternal lifing right now, right? And, and forward. So we're, we're experiencing eternal life now. I'm never going to die. I'm experiencing even not just existing, but life, life to the full that Jesus talks about. So life with God and abiding is by the Spirit, it's in the Word, and it's just basically stated life with God. So there's our, um, as best I could do, is give us this basic information. Here's the light. In fact, I kind of love that Christianity is really so simple. I'm a simple person. I don't need it so complicated that I can't get it. And it's as simple as you deny Christ, you don't have a relationship with God. You trust, you confess Christ like we talked about, I think, a couple weeks ago. He forgives you and you're in a relationship with him. So a couple of, of closing thoughts. Number one, this information is not to be used offensively. Think about that. We don't go up to somebody and say, do you believe Jesus is God? No, you are anti-Christ. You don't proclaim that over people, okay? That's a defensive, this is a defensive stance. If anybody in this church or or certainly within our church or anything, is teaching anything other than this, this is a defense mechanism to say, we can't have you teach. This is where, I mean, he's writing to these churches saying, if anybody is teaching anything but that Jesus is God, you can't have them teach. I take very seriously standing up here teaching, as does everybody we have up here and everybody we have in our classes, from kids all the way to adults, is we insist our leadership does it, and it's our church's responsibility. It's not just mine. It's not just leadership. It's everybody in here's responsibility. Is this person teaching that Jesus is who he claims to be, the Son of God? We have to have that basic thing. It's as simple as a warning on a heater, right? If you don't pay attention to that warning, bad things happen. It's, a, it's not to be used as an offensive weapon. It's defensing. It's protecting the church protecting the bride. But what we can use as offense is offensively, not offensively offending people, but offensively you want to tell people the good news. Guess what? There's a way you can be reconciled to God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Guess what? It's changed my life. Can you see my life, what it was, and now what it is? That's not offensive, but it's an 
it's an outgoing, right? That's an outbound type message. Whereas this message we're hearing, at least in the, the initial part, is be careful that within your church body, within your church lives, within your own personal life, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? That's important. So know the difference between offense and defense. The second thing is, and this is a message to us, is be confident in God. Be confident in the Lord. What does that mean? I was on a hike with uh, Sierra up in Yosemite two or three weeks ago, and I love to do it. We have great adventures, but probably the best part about it, um, yes, it's beautiful, and yes, you get great exercise, and it's, it's amazing, but we talk. I mean, we're together for like 10 hours in the middle of nowhere, just the two of us talking, and we, she's not afraid to be spicy with her dad, which is one of the things I really like about her. And we're going back and forth on something where we're disagreeing with. And I said, you know, you don't have the training, theologically, it was a theological issue, to understand or know this. And you know what she shot back? She says, I have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's like, ha, to me. <laughs> Take that. And it was great. And it wasn't, it wasn't, constricting the value of theological education, which is super important that we have teachers and we learn and we study. And she wasn't even just trying to win the argument. She said, trust the Holy Spirit, Dad. If I'm wrong, he'll guide me into truth. And the Holy Spirit literally on, in my heart as we're walking around, the Holy Spirit over me is like, yeah, I got her if she's wrong. Or maybe you're wrong, Dad, and I'm going to teach you. It was such a good feeling to have that stated, and that's exactly what the scripture is saying here, is the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. So you don't need to be worried, because this is God's issue and God's challenge, and God's responsibility is to guide us into truth, the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it, the Spirit does it. And then we also have, we have the Word. I mean, if, if you think about that, I mean, that's proof that the Holy Spirit is working and active because we still have accurate Scripture. It's been, I already told you, it's been a couple thousand years since this was even written, and we have it accurately. That's a miracle that we have the Word that reveals and confirms the truth. And then we just have a, a life with God, that third thing we talked about, and that's just really a yes posture towards God. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but, but when I'm reminded to think about it, I can always say yes to God, and I do say yes to God, and there's security in saying yes to God. So have confidence in the Lord that the Spirit is about His work as a teacher and revealing truth. We have the Word, and we have the Spirit of God living with us dependently. Like I said, the, um, the importance of something like this, this little label about fire. I was, um, one of my camp stories the first cabin that I was ever a camp counselor in, um, it was right, right next to Ridgeway Road where I ended up living in a house across the street from it. And I remember it was the first time I, I was in a cabin with kids and I was all scared and had a great, I ended up having a great week with these campers. So I always had a, like a special spot in, that, in my heart for that cabin. Fast forward a bunch of years later, um, I was the camp director and I was at the movies with Maria and I got a, a phone call. And uh, what happened is the, uh, the cabin burned down. And it was a guest group, you know, a group, a, a Christian school was renting the whole camp and, and some girls on a basketball team had played late in the game and they were rushing to get to the meeting. So they arrived at camp late and, and 14 girls, so two cabins worth, put all their stuff in one cabin. And guess where they put it? 
on the heater, completely covered like most of the heater. So they lost all their clothes. <laughs> but they didn't read the little warning that says, don't put things close to the heater. Simple, basic thing. And they're not, they're good people, but they were careless. And so the encouragement this morning, they rebuilt the cabin, and, and a cabin's a cabin. But when we're talking about a church, don't ever listen to anything that says anything contrary to who Jesus Christ is. He's God. As basic as it sounds, if we don't, if we don't follow that, and you've seen it in other churches, you've seen it in people's lives when they start going down that slope of saying, well, I'm open to anything and everything. There's only one Savior, there's only one Messiah, there's only one Jesus Christ, and that's the truth. Let's pray. God, I'm grateful to be part of a church body that believes these basic truths about you, that trusts your spirit to guide us into truth, that we get to enjoy a relationship with you, we get to have and study your word. We get to partner with friends that take the word all over the world, put it in languages that people resonate with. We could not do this on our own. We wouldn't do it on our own. We'd fail. So we just pause and we're grateful for this warning label stuffed deeply into our Bibles that the Apostle John wrote to churches to say, hey, be careful. This is what darkness is, and this is what light is. These words are just as relevant now as they were then. May we heed them. We again want to say thank you for them. And we love you. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.